they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. Again, my wife has got baby duty, so she is at home. And we have a special edition again. It's been we've been dealing with the Our Father petitions. Mary Danielle, are you reporting for duty? <laughs> I'm reporting for duty. Am I coming in loud and clear? Yes, you are, my love. Thank you, sweetheart. We are uh, talking about the Our Father again, and I know that we have the petition "Deliver us from evil." We've got Fulton Sheen's comments. We've got Father William Wagner. But before we do that. I would like to have the honor of reading the Gospel of John and then having you give us some commentary on what's going on in this scripture verse. Can we do that? Yes. All right, my love. A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 21 to 30. Jesus said to the Pharisees, I am going away, and you will look for me, but you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, he is not going to kill himself, is he? Because he said, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you belong to what is below. I belong to what is above. You belong to this world. But I do not belong to this world. That is why I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, What I told you from the beginning, I have much to say about you in condemnation. But the one who sent me is true. And what I heard from him, I tell the world. They did not realize that he was speaking to them of the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, you will realize that I am. And that I do nothing on my own, but I say only what the Father taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, because I always do what is pleasing to him. Because he spoke this way, many came to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Praise Lord to Jesus you, Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. That's the, you know, John is, is really mystical, is it not, Mary? Well, he's mystical, but the funny thing, in the, in the midst of his mysticism, he's also very practical and down-to-earth. Mm-hmm. I remember once when I, it was, I was in undergraduate school, and I had a professor who pointed out, you know, there are those theologians and biblical scholars who like to say that John is so up there in the air, he's so, you know, mm-hmm. above and beyond, and yet what does he talk about? Light and darkness, life and death, fire and water. And so what is, what's going on here? Jesus tells the Pharisees, you know, that he's going away and that they will die in their sins. Well, why? Well, at, when Jesus began his public ministry, he made it evidently clear who he was and why he had come. Right. He, had, he was fulfilling all the prophecies about the Messiah. The deaf heard, the dumb spoke, the lame walked, lepers were healed. And the poor had the good news preached to them. The dead were raised. Mm-hmm. And so it was evident. His, the works he did, 
bore evidence to who he was. But they didn't want to accept him. Because he wasn't preaching rebellion against Rome, he was, repeat, he was preaching repentance of sin. Does this sound familiar, anybody? Yes. Do we still have this problem? <laughs> you know, it's the gospel that we want to hear. Jesus is going to cure this coronavirus. He's going to make sure that our economic well-being is preserved, that we can go on living our hedonistic life and our life pursuing pleasure and um, putting God in second place and putting our physical well-being first. Is that the gospel we want to hear? Nope. Or is the gospel we want to hear repent and believe the good news? Amen. And the good news is that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to take on the punishment for our sins. And so Jesus is telling the Pharisees, you are from below. He's not talking about hell, people. <laughs> He's saying they're worldly. They're thinking in a worldly way. They're, they're, they're chained down to the bodily needs. And they're not really putting God in first place and giving first priority to the salvation of their souls. That's why they can't be saved. We cannot have our sins forgiven if we do not acknowledge that we've sinned and if we don't ask for forgiveness. Mary, let me jump in for a minute, because what you're saying for a lot of people, they're going, well, wait, wait a minute, I thought that, um, that God was all merciful and he just loves me so much that he accepts me where I'm at and I don't need to change. I can live you know, the life I want to live. And then at the end, God's just going to say, oh, come on in, you're a good guy, and let us in, because everybody's saved. What do you say to that? It's not true. That's not the gospel Jesus preached. Fake news is what I call it. <laughs> it is fake news. Jesus said, unless you turn away from sin and believe the gospel, mm -hmm. you cannot be saved. Yes, God is all merciful. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, in man... Mercy and justice are separate attributes. Mm, well said. In God, they are not. They're a single attribute. Mm. Mercy and justice, his mercy is just, but his justice is merciful. So he will forgive sinners who ask, but there's a necessary condition. We have to ask, and then we have to strive to overcome our sin. You know, as children, we were taught. We have to avoid the narrow occasion of sin. We have to make, in order for our confession to be valid, we have to make a firm purpose of amendment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to change the things in my life that are leading me into sin, that are leading me away from God. Mm -hmm. And what is the nature of sin? I mean, part of this is acknowledging what is the nature of sin. Sin is an infinite offense against God who is real, who loves us. God is love. And when we sin, we offend someone who loves us. And even Carl Manager, the past president of the American Psychological Society, recognized that, yes, sin is a real offense against God who is real. And therefore, the guilt it produces is real guilt. And the way to overcome it is to go back to God and say, I'm sorry, and to try and change your life and to ask him for the grace. We need to ask God every day for the grace to overcome the sins. Because Jesus is not of this world. He didn't come to establish an earthly paradise. He came to free us from the power of sin 
and the fear of death. The children had remained slaves of sin through their fear of death, it tells us in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. So he comes to take away that fear of death so that we'll give up our sins and turn to him. And so when we say, Jesus, who are you? Well, who is he? St. Paul, I mean, excuse me. Paul the Sixth, has he been Benabral? He's No, he's now St. Paul the Sixth, my love. He is St. Paul. Yep. Well, there you go. St. Paul the Sixth in his general <laughs> audience in yep. December of 1994, mm-hmm. he said many people in our own day are, are asking the question, who are you? Who then was Jesus? Our faith exalts. Our faith exalts and cries out. Mm-hmm. It is he. It is he, the Son of God made man. He is the Messiah. We were expecting. He is the Savior of the world, the Master of our lives. Mm-hmm. He is the Shepherd that guides men to their pasture in time, to their destinies beyond time. He is the joy of the world. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the interior friend. He is the one who knows us, even from afar. He knows our thoughts. He is the one who can forgive us, console, cure, even raise from the dead. And he is the one who will return the judge of one and all in the fullness of his glory and our eternal happiness. Mary, so that's, he made us for a life beyond this world. Exactly. And Mary, what you're saying is so beautiful. I'm thinking of mom and dad listening, going, well, I have a son or a daughter who's way far away from God. How can that happen? And I think that we have to understand that there's a price tag on all souls. And that, as Our Lady of Fatima said, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. We have to lift our siblings our friends, our relatives up and pray for their conversion. If they're living a a decadent life, someone's got to intercede, and those are the prayers that can give them the grace to turn back to God. Is that a fair statement, Mary? Absolutely. And the angel at Fatima taught the children, make of everything you do a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And when you do say, Jesus, Mm -hmm. it is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners, Mm -hmm and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Mm-hmm. So make of everything you do a sacrifice. And you can ask, you know, Jesus, may every heartbeat of mine be an act of love, mm-hmm. every pulsation of mine an act of thanksgiving, every breath an act of union of my will with thine and of desire for Holy Communion. For love of you, Jesus, for the conversion of sinners, in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And and you can add, and for the poor souls in purgatory, Mm -hmm. you know, and also in reparation for the outrageous, sacrilegious, and indifferences by which Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament is offended. So it's not like you have to go out and look for huge things to do. Doing your daily duty, offering the little trials of life in union with Jesus. Wow. Well said, young lady. She's my young lady after 30-some years of marriage. (laughs) Mary, Danielle. Thank you. That was inspiring. When we come back, we'll talk more about our Lord's Prayer, that the Our Father, and we have a petition. It's the last petition, which says, deliver us from evil. We'll have some good commentary on that, and we'll be back with the Bible with the Barbers after a quick break.
Hi, I'm Maria Vargo, and I'm here with my friend Jonathan Rumi. We're doing a passion play, and that's basically a play that depicts the last days of Jesus' life on earth, and we'd like to invite you to come see it. Go to www.thelastdayspassionplay.com. There's a video there, a trailer of the show. There's ways you can get tickets to see it live. We're in Koreatown at Emmanuel Presbyterian Church on April 4th, 5th, and Good Friday, April 10th. And we'd love for you to be there and be a part of it because it will change your experience of Lent like nothing ever before. We love what we do. We just want to bring Jesus to every heart. And so if you want to deepen your Lenten journey and you want to have a closer encounter with Christ, we just hope that you'll come check us out. Go to www.thelastdayspassionplay.com. God God bless you. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. According to St. John Paul II, being a Christian means saying yes to Jesus Christ. It consists in surrendering to the Word of God and relying on it, but also endeavoring to know better and better the profound meaning of this Word. May God grant that we always rely on His Word, read it often, and put it into practice. selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. We're talking about the Our Father these last couple of weeks. And Mary Danielle's been taking it from Father William Wagner's newsletter. I think it was the year 2000 he wrote it, but I'm telling you, truth is eternal. So Mary Danielle, what, can, kind of for those who just tuned in, they can go to the podcast and listen to the previous shows to get caught up. But where are we at right now on the Our Father? Well, I'm a little slower than you. So actually, I'm only on the fifth petition. Father, forgive us our trespasses. Oh, I thought we were ahead. Okay, well, good. against us. All right. So, well, I'm slower than you. I'm still trying to get uh, up. Well, I'm a little hyper. What can I say? So, so forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against those. us. Great. Yes. So that's what we want to look at today. And it's, it, remember, the, the prayer with a catch, right? Mm-hmm. We, we're saying, Father, forgive us in the same way that we forgive others. Mm-hmm. And it's something I think we, t- we tend to forget because we are creatures of body, soul, and spirit. So we don't just have a soul. We're not just angels. We have a body and our bodies have emotions. And when we get hurt, that hurt is registered in the body and the emotions react. The emotions aren't part of the soul. They're part of the body. 
And so things get registered in the body, and we don't always, we're not always able to just totally walk away and forget the hurts. And we have to be careful how we deal with them. But, but um, God does forgive us. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do we know that God will forgive us? Well, what was the, you know, the parable that Jesus told? The, the prodigal son, right? right? And in the prodigal son, the prodigal son says to his father, give me my share of the inheritance, which essentially what he's saying is, Father, I wish you were dead. (laughs) And since you aren't dead, you're dead to me. I just want your money. And he takes it and he goes off and he squanders it. And, And finally he comes to his senses because he's starving and he's being assigned to feeding the pigs. Now, this is from a Jewish perspective, right? You're not supposed to go near the swine. And he's only feeding the pigs, and he wants to eat the food the pigs are being fed. He's so hungry. Mm -hmm. And he comes to his senses, and he says, I will rise and go to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So what is the father's response? Well, it turns out as the son is going back, The father sees him coming down the road. The father's been waiting for him. He's been watching for him. And the father runs out to meet him. By the way, older Jewish men did not run. This Mm. was undignified. And he runs to meet his son. And before his son can even ask, just let me be one of your servants, he says to his servants, quick, get the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And, and now prepare the fatted calf and prepare a feast for my son is back and he is alive. So he was dead and now he's back to life. He was lost and he's been found. He's come back home and the father immediately receives him as his full heir and son once again. After everything he's done. And it's like, wow. And yes, this mm-hmm. is God's mercy toward us. Sure. But what was the first thing the son had to do? He had to acknowledge that he had sinned and of he course. was coming back to the father. He had already made the resolve to ask for forgiveness. He already acknowledged his sin. And of course, as soon as we acknowledge our sin, God sees that. So we go to confession and we ask God for forgiveness. And this is, this is we see this, you know. But do we understand the malice of sin? Do we understand the seriousness of sin? We are called to live in friendship with God, God who loves us in a love relationship. And what does sin do? It destroys the very foundation of friendship and communion, not only with God, but our neighbor. You know, so many times people say, oh, well, especially when it regards to sexual sin, but I love them. No, honey, if you lead someone into mortal sin, you're not loving them. You're estranging them from God. And as a matter of fact, you're estranging them from yourself. Because sin turns us in on ourselves. It makes us selfish and self-centered. And we don't consider the good of the other, really. Not the true good, because the true good is our eternal salvation. It's living in God's grace. And so it strikes at charity. It strikes at our relationship with God and our neighbor because our supreme good is God. Love of God first and love of our neighbors as ourselves. 
Mary, let me so, jump. Let me just jump in because yeah. I think of what Fulton Sheen said regarding that we think everybody's immaculately conceived. People think that you know whatever happened to sin that it's no longer fashionable to talk about sin because you know you're okay, I'm okay, and it seems like what's happened, Mary, and you're you're talking about you know what the seriousness of sin. I'm wondering if we've we've lost that sense in our culture to right and wrong, and it seems like whatever feels good is is the is the the plan and not just in the secular world but I hear people say that in the church that you know God understands I mean he's so so we don't have to, in other words we've we've lowered the bar for our state uh, in our life in other words we think that that uh, you know that's just too high of a you know thing to shoot for and is not to be a into mortal sin but I think many times and you can give me your comment on it that many times people forget that uh that that the God that this hasn't changed that the teaching of Christ and His Church has always taught that when you have serious matter and you have full consent of the will and you say uh, objectively I reject God by this sinful act that that's that could that that is a serious sin and it's not just something to be lightly trotted on so does that make sense it seems like that's what we're up against right now where people have taken sin and kind of put it in a corner and said it really doesn't exist. Right, and that was interesting. St. John Paul II, at the beginning of his pontificate, Mm -hmm. composed that prayer. Yep. Return to us, O Lord, a sense of sin. He picked up on that. And the sensitivity of the saints. And yeah, we we can get complacent. We can think, oh, you know, God, uh, it doesn't bother God at all. I mean, you know, he knows I'm weak. He knows I'm human. Yeah, he does. Take a good, long, look, hard look at the cross. Jesus Christ was innocent, completely innocent. Did he go through all that suffering because it doesn't matter to God? As, as Father Wagner once said in a talk, he said, look, the crucifix is the greatest proof that there's a hell. Amen. And that people really go there. Because if it weren't, why would Jesus have gone through all that suffering? Right. But it is also the greatest manifestation of heaven. Because it shows the height and length and breadth and depth of the love of God poured out for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Well said. What is this love? Look at the cross and ask yourself, what is this love that would go to such extremes? And for someone who had, like that, what does the sinner do? He tramples on his divine sonship. He destroys his citizenship in heaven. He's made himself worthy of eternal damnation. He's made himself an enemy of God. He's degraded himself. And God offers the remedy. I'll send my son. Do we understand how serious sin is? And this is what the saints understood. They understood. And and, And some of it, it was because... God revealed it to him. For instance, in, if you read the dialogues of St. Catherine of Siena, mm-hmm. the section on divine providence, right. our Lord told her, do you not know, dear daughter, that all the suffering the soul bears or can bear in this life are insufficient to punish one smallest sin? So no matter how much we suffer in this entire life, we could never make restitution for a single venial sin. Wow. 
for the smallest sin. Mm -hmm. Because an offense against me, he continues, the infinite good demands infinite satisfaction. True contrition satisfies for sin and its penalty, not by virtue of any finite suffering you may bear, but by virtue of your infinite desire for God, who is infinite, wishes for infinite love and infinite sorrow. Wow. So Powerful. learning from St. Catherine of Siena and what Jesus told her, we beg God to give us this infinite desire to love him and have this sorrow for our sins. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting because he went on to tell her the sorrow he desired was not just sorrow for my own sins. Forgive us our trespasses. He wants us to sorrow over the sins of our neighbors. Mm. He doesn't want us to write people off and say, they made their bed, they can lay in it. Mm -hmm. He wants us to get down on our knees and say, Lord, have mercy on me, have mercy on my neighbor. Convert all of us sinners. We're all in this together. All of us, your children, are sinners, with the exception of your mother, who you gave extraordinary graces to in order to <laughs> preserve her and prepare her for the, for the, the calling you had given her. Yep. We're all sinners, and we need God's grace and mercy. And we need to pray for ourselves and for each other. He wants us to have sorrow for the sins of our neighbors. Well said, Mary. When we uh, when we come back from the break, I'm going to give a little. It followed up exactly with Saint Catherine from Bishop Sheen. It'll be a, a good follow up when we come back from the break. But I want to remind everybody. I mentioned it earlier in the uh, Terry and Jesse show. We're building a church steeple right now, where we're going to have a bell put there that was built in 1846. And so we're going to have that up in the next week. And uh, once we get through this uh, coronavirus where people can come, we're going to have a, a special blessing of the bell. And those who are in Southern California are welcome to come. And And I want to also invite anybody who wants to help support the tower that we're building with the bell tower. So that bell will be ringing every day. They can call 877-526-2151. Or they can go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org on our website and say, I want to support the idea of having a bell rung at your Sacred Heart Chapel. And I just want to remind you, this is a powerful witness as Christians to say that God does exist. When they hear the bell ringing, I know what spiritually it does to the uh, demonic side. <laughs> they don't like hearing bells. But even people who are secular will have to say, oh, that's the, that's the Sacred Heart bell and Covina ringing. We want to bring God's presence into a secular world that acts like God doesn't exist. So I want to encourage you, after this coronavirus is over, to come and visit us here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina. Normally, we have masses at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and I think it would be wonderful to have you come in. But I hear the music, Mary. So when we come back, I'm going to give you just a short little tidbit of what Fulton Sheen has to say about forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The Lord's Prayer. You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. Mary Danielle and Terry are here to help inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and His Bride, the Church.
Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back. As I promised, Mary Danielle and myself, we have a special little addition from Fulton J. Sheen on the Our Father. He says, everyone who ever came into the world came into it to live. Think about that. But our Lord, on the contrary, came not to live in it, right, but to die. Exactly, Mary. His one supreme task was to lay down his life for the redemption of many. The forgiving of the trespasses of man by blotting out sin was this unique business his father had assigned to him. (laughs) Now that duty was done. He had to make it possible for us to pray. So forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And so now he cries out with joy, the victory won. It is consummated. That was John chapter 19.30. God labored for six days in the creation of the world, and at the end of it came his divine applause of the work completed. And God saw that it was good. For 33 years, God made man burn with the desire to be baptized with the blood of redemption. And now at the end of the three hours on the cross, God saw once more that it was good. It took only a word to create, but it took a life to redeem. What's the lesson for us, Bishop Sheen says? How few of us ever finish the tasks 
a sign to us. The world is full of souls that are like unfinished symphonies. What a great way of saying it. And half-completed Gothic cathedrals. Souls who have begun the poem of their lives, but never written the last line. Souls that paint pictures and leave out the borders. Souls that never have the joy of looking on a perfect work, seeing that it is good, and then catching an echo from the cross, crying out the song of victory. It is finished. Calvary is the place of great impatience. Many souls follow our Lord to the Mount of the Beatitudes, but refuse to follow him to Calvary. Some carry their crosses to Calvary, but when they get there, they lay it down. Some are stripped of the garments of doubt, but refuse to be nailed to the fullness of the sacrifice. Others are nailed, but unfasten themselves before the elevation of the cross. Others are crucified, but answer the challenge of the world and come down after one, after two hours, within a minute of the sound of three. The world is full of half-crucified souls. Few there are who stay until the final end. Few that are who know what it is to give all, to see the work well done and experience the thrill of a victory won. Would that there were a single day in our lives in which we could honestly say, I have given God all. It is finished. Wow, Mary Danielle, that meditation there just made me realize how much I have to go to to be living in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. Wow. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting. Bishop Sheen said, he said, every action in our life is like a blank check. That's right. If Christ's name is on it, it's of infinite value. That's what he said. Yep. If our name, if our name is on it, it's finite. And yep. that's, that follows up on what our Lord told St. Catherine of Siena here mm-hmm. in the dialogue. Yep. Because he, he says, why is this sorrow, this desire for God, this desire for God to be loved, and this desire, this infinite sorrow for sin, why is this pleasing? Because those who have such sorrow have infinite desire and are one with me in loving affection. Every suffering they bear from any source, whatever, in spirit or body, is of infinite worth and so satisfies for the offenses that deserved an infinite penalty. Because, why? Their virtue is practiced and their suffering born with infinite desire and contrition an infinite displeasure for sin, their pain is held worthy because it's united to Christ. So we want to unite everything to Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and it's beautiful. St. Saint, Saint Gemma um, was. she said, I have found the fire which destroys all sins. I have found the ardor which dissipates all tepidity. I have found the flame which destroys all my passions. And then she made this prayer. A flame, let a single flame descend into my heart to burn away my sins. Oh, angels, angels, I can do nothing. You praise the love of Jesus for me. Ecce, Jesus. 
I surrender myself to your holy love. Powerful. So, Powerful. Yeah, we, we unite ourselves to Christ in his suffering. And then, then it becomes infinite. In union with Jesus loving. It's not about, you know, me. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about what our Lord did. And then accepting his love and letting him live in and through us. Like Paul said, I live no, now long, no longer I, but Christ lives in me. Yep. And so... Again, the pain of contrition has to extend to all sins. It's not just about my sins. Right. It's about the sins of, because we realize that all sin is offensive to God. So even when somebody hurts me, okay, yeah, they hurt me. But you know what? That hurt is an offense against God. Right. And, and again, St. Gemma Golgani writes, By the light which he has deigned to give me, I have acquired the knowledge of my baseness. While weeping over my own many sins, my sorrow increases all the more at the thought of all the outrages and the many ingratitudes which creatures perpetuate every day against Jesus. Are we crying out to God for mercy? Are we weeping over the sins, my own sins and the sins of the world? You know? Yeah, that's powerful. Mary, you know, I, I keep saying and hearing it's all about self-abandonment. And I just want to throw a little plug in. And we like to give resources for people who are listening. Uh, Pierre de Cassade's book, Abandonment to Divine Providence, he talks about the sacrament of the present moment, and just giving yourself over to Christ. And what Mary was quoting is really just Catholic spirituality that says, give yourself to Christ each day. And, you know, one of the beautiful things that do that. Uh, especially in these times where the coronavirus is keeping a lot of people away from church and from receiving Holy Communion is an act of spiritual communion. I would just like to encourage you, our listener, each day now to do an act of spiritual communion. You can do them all day long, but I want to lead you with one right now before we get the break. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. Holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Mary Danielle, this is something that um, we are trying to do often during the day now that we can't receive Holy Communion. And I know St. Thomas Aquinas has a little treatise. We talked about this on the Terry and Jesse show, showing that there's graces received with spiritual communion. So I want to encourage our people to go to our website. We have that prayer on the Virgin Most Powerful website. We also have the prayer of St. Patrick's Breastplate, and we also have the Psalm 91. Those are three powerful prayers that I would encourage you to just print out or read right on the screen and pray each day because it can change your life. Because let's just face it, we're living in a world that acts like God doesn't exist right now, and we as Christians need to embrace the cross right now and embrace ourselves to say, I'm going to give it all to Jesus through Mary, 
And then, like Mary said, every action is like a blank check. You become valuable to God. Why? Because you've given your life over to him. Because, you know, life is short and eternity is forever. That's a message that's not really readily available to the world. But we need to understand that we're here to get out. And when we know that, then the coronavirus, all these other tragedies, earthquakes, nuclear war, anything that happens, we can know that if I'm living in the state of grace, that's all that really matters. If I'm going to get to heaven through living a a Christ-centered life, and I hope the Bible with the barbers is encouraging you to really study your Bible at this time when you have more time. Maybe some of you are not working right now because idle hands causes problems, right? It's the devil's way of getting you into into mortal sin. So what I'm going to suggest is take what Mary Danielle does every Tuesday with you, take the gospel readings and the readings from Mass, and read those each day, and say your prayers. And I would even encourage you, Mary, we've done it. We go online to the EWTN website on YouTube and watch the Mass each day. Why do we do that? We want to stay connected. Your thoughts, Mary? Yeah, and and again, that that there's that uh, you know how to read the Bible during quarantine. Mm-hmm. Let's not stay glued to social media. Let's not be up on all of the latest reports. Mm-hmm. Instead, let us take time out of our day to read the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe start with the Gospels. You know, we're familiar with the Gospels. We're familiar with the life of Jesus. That might be a really good place to start. Right. Hey, another great place to start is the Psalms, because mm. if someone were to say to you, <laughs> "Would you like?" To have the prayer book that Jesus and Mary used every day. Yeah, sign oh, yeah, me up. I love it. <laughs> you know, well, guess what? They prayed the Psalms every single day. There you go. So the prayer book that Jesus and Mary used is there. It's it's there for us. We can pray it every day. Right. And so just to, you know, when you get the Bible timeline is a great place to sure. to to go through the scriptures, and so. There's just lots of ways, and and yes, during this time, people have a lot of time on their hands. A lot of people aren't working. You know, obviously, you can clean your house and you can you know get all that done and yeah. get all your spring cleaning done and and clean out the garage and but but take time every day, you know, shut down the social media and open that scriptures and let the Lord speak to your heart. Well, when we come back, we'll have more with the Bible with the Barbers on the Our Father Prayer, the perfect prayer. Just for those who've asked, the book I'm quoting from Fulton Sheen is called Lord Teach Us to Pray, and it's from Sophia Press. If you want to get a copy of that, go to sophiapress.org. We'll be back with much more. Attention VMPR listeners. We've talked at length about the attack on our youth through popular culture media, but what if I told you there was someone trying to make a difference? The newest novel, Britfield and the Lost Crown, by C.R. Stewart, is reaching schools across America and sharing Christian morals alongside great storytelling. What if I told you that this mission needs your help? To reach more children, Britfield and the Lost Crown need funding for their ongoing book tour. If you're interested in making a difference, if you're interested in buying the book or are curious and want more information, go to BritfieldInstitute.org. That's B-R-I-T-F-I-E-L-D Institute.org. Or email media at Britfield.com. Help open up the world of Britfield and the Lost Crown to people everywhere. 
How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. We're talking about the Our Father, the Perfect Prayer. Mary Danielle, you were just you were just making some suggestions from an article, kind of you know reading the Bible at this time with the uh, coronavirus that people have more time. Why don't you finish up your thoughts on that? Because I thought that those were good suggestions. The Psalms and you know what what can they do? How can they you know make the most of this time? Well, definitely, you know, and you and Jesse mentioned this often on your show. Read the daily readings from Scripture. Right. Something people might not understand is that Catholics who go to Mass every day, hear more of the Bible than most Protestants in, in, a, in, a, in a three-year cycle yeah. than most Protestants will hear in a lifetime. Right. Now, unless those people are involved in Bible study, or what, but in terms of preaching from, because Protestant ministers have told us that ministers tend to have favorite passages that they preach on, and they don't, whereas we look at entire books right. and read through them, and we may not read the whole book, but we read sections of it, and then we're encouraged to read the whole thing. The scripture is our book. It's our heirloom. And not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament. Because Christ is hidden there in the Old Testament. It was all about his coming. And so we can read. It. You know, the Psalms are so powerful. The beautiful Psalms of praise of God, the Psalms of repentance when we sin, the Psalms against our enemy, the devil, the, just everything, you know, that, that happens in life is mentioned in the Psalms. Sure. And so start with the Gospels, and then um, you have, the, the, of course, the Bible timeline. And I, we used to have that, the Great Adventure. That's right, with Jeff Cavins. Yep. You can still get it with from St. Joseph. And then it became our, yeah, yeah and then we, it became our Father's plan with, right. with uh, Jeff and Scott sure. together. Am I correct on that? Yes, you're correct. Mm-hmm. From e- yeah, so you can, people can call in or um, contact us, and, and the Catholic Resource Center, we still have those resources available mm-hmm. to help you go through the scriptures to give you, the Bible timeline was neat because it gave you that framework of the actual historical continuity of the order that they have. The, the Bible isn't put together necessarily in historical order, mm-hmm. the whole thing. So it helps to have it, and that's what Jeff Cavins did with his Bible timeline. He actually put it together. He showed you um, 
the his, the actual historical timeline that it follows so that when the different books of the prophets were written and and the wisdom books and where they fit in to the to the timeline so that yeah there you go good well let's uh, can we go jumping back to father williams uh, little meditations on that or is there more for right, us we yeah. want to we want yeah we want to finish up here and to, to acknowledge that um, sin isolates us and so contrition regathers us together when we sin, it actually isolates it from each other. The other thing is, the readiness to forgive is a prerequisite for love, and the opposite destroys love. So if we're not willing to forgive, it will destroy love. And it's interesting because depression and forgiveness go together. There you go. How is that? Well, let's say depression and forgiveness are related to one another in this sense. If we refuse to forgive, it leads to depression. And there, this is what happens. We have our emotions, as I said, and the emotions aren't immediately subject to the intellect and the will. They're part of the body. So we have to get to that through the imagination. So when an injustice is done against us, we should feel the emotion of anger. But unfortunately for many Christians, they've been taught, well, you can't feel angry. That's bad. So when someone hurts us, Right away, we will have, you know, this anger will come up. And we can make the act of the will to forgive, but we might find that we still have surges of uncontrolled bitterness, aversion, rancor, sadness, spite, anger, revenge, and even hatred. And we can't, we don't seem to be able to get rid of them. Well, remember, sin is in the will, it's not in the body. So if you do not choose those emotion, those, those ex, this, uh, expressions of the emotion of anger, the bitterness, the aversion, the rancor, the sadness, the spite, the revenge, okay, and then that eventually leads to hatred, which is another emotion. If you don't choose those with your will, you haven't sinned. So you can say, I make the act of the will to forgive, but, but don't bury the emotion. Don't then say to your body, you can't feel the anger. No, sit with the anger and feel it, and then take it to the Lord in prayer and say, okay, Lord, I don't want to sin here. I don't want to consent to sin, but I want to process this emotion in a healthy way so that I can actually grow and get beyond this and come to the point where I can truly forgive the person, not just with my will, but even in my emotions. And that can happen. And we talked about that with the, the story of the man whose, whose son was killed by the murderer. And eventually that man who was doing prison ministry met the murderer of his son on death row. Mm -hmm. But he had taken two years off from prison ministry to give his emotions time to heal. So that when he finally met his son's murderer face to face, he was able to say to him, I do forgive you. Wow. And so, yeah, it can happen. And when we don't, then we end up being eaten up by the hatred and the anger. So we want to work on it. And there was this one priest who discovered when people would come into him and say they were depressed, he would say, you're angry about something. Mm -hmm. No, Father, I'm just depressed. Well, I want you to go and pray about it because you're angry. And they would find out they were angry. And then what he would do is he would put them on a five-year program of forgiveness. So every day you need to forgive all the little hurts. Because mm -hmm. sometimes it's just little tiny things that we just never made the act of the will to forgive. And we try to bury and suppress and repress. And you can't do that. Right. We need to process them. 
And by the way, I can't do this without bringing in the angels. Mm-hmm, for sure. Right? And they're the ones, the holy angels have this ministry of forgiveness. You know, our angels witness all of our actions. That's right. And they see if we commit mortal sin, we have alienated ourselves from God, from our neighbor, from our angels. Our neighbor, by the way, our angel is our closest neighbor. <laughs> and But they don't leave us, but they pray for us that we will turn back to God. But they can't make that choice for us. We have to make that choice. Right. But they don't condemn us. They pray for us, and they beg God to forgive us and give us the graces we need to return. And they will speak to us. You've offended God. Turn to him. Tell him you're sorry. They're going to try and excite contrition within us. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and St. Gemma Golgani found at times her guardian angel would treat her very, very severely. She said, my guardian angel presented himself with earnestness and severity. Mm. I couldn't understand the reason why, right. but then I remembered two sins which I had committed in the course of the day. My God, what sternness. A number of times my guardian angel repeated the words, I am ashamed of you. But that's not the only way the guardian angel presents himself. On another occasion, the angel comes And he gave her such a lively sorrow for her sins that she felt such great pain. She was ashamed to find herself in the presence of her angel. She tried to hide herself, to flee from the sight of all. And this torment lasted for quite some time. But the angel encouraged her. And the angel reminded her, the mercy of God is infinite. Yes, I'll be stern with you if you're ignoring your sins so that you will wake up and realize you're sinning. But when you're sorry, I want to remind you, God is infinitely merciful. He wants to have mercy on you. And he exhorted her to go to confession, frequent confession. We need to do this. And the angels want this. They want this for us because they want us to be with God in heaven. And it's interesting, I didn't, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas tells us that in contrition, God forgives the faults and commutes eternal punishment into temporal punishment. Mm -hmm. But the debt of temporal punishment remains. Hence, if a man were to die without confession, he would go to purgatory. The punishment of which is very great, as St. Augustine says. Accordingly, when you confess your sin... The priest absolves you from this punishment by the power of the keys of which you have submitted to which to which you have submitted in confession. Hence, if a man confesses once, some part of this punishment is taken away. So Thomas is telling us this is the power of confession. Yeah, we can tell God we're sorry for our sins, but we still have the temporal punishment due. But if we go to confession, some part of our Temporal punishment is remitted, and all of it can eventually be remitted if we make honest, sincere confessions and we ask God for the grace to be truly sorry for our sins with an intense and pure contrition for our sins. Well said, Mary. Uh, I want to just remind everybody here that this has been a series on the Our Father, 
So if you want to listen to the previous shows, you can do that with the podcast. You can just go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and listen to the previous shows. I think this is our third or fourth show now on the Our Father, and uh, which is uh, very efficacious. I mean, it's the way Jesus taught us how to pray, and uh, this is very, very important. So Mary Danielle, I want to just um, give people hope, and let's just tie it all back to the coronavirus that's really plaguing our country and the world. And many people are having, uh, you know, panic attacks. They're having, uh, they're just so depressed about what's going on. We've already read how alcoholism has gone way up. Uh, drug addiction is going up. People are, are are losing it with just wanting to, you know, get out of the environment by, by stoning themselves. Um, can we talk a little bit about how we need to trust our Lord now more than ever? Yes, and and the reality is, Jesus, I trust in thee. Jesus, I trust in thee. You and Jesse did that interview with Father Chris. Was yes, it? Father Chris. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he said, put put that um, image of divine mercy on your front door, but maybe put it on your bathroom mirror and your bedroom mirror too, so that you can see it more often. Right. Have many images around the house, and the reality is, none of this could happen if God didn't allow it. Right. He permitted it. So if God is allowing this, if he permits this, he wants to use it to purify us of our selfishness, our attachment to the things of this world, our attachment to sin, and he wants to make us more like Jesus. And he wants us to cooperate with Jesus in saving the world. What was it Paul said in his letter? I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Colossians chapter 1. Body the church. Colossians 1. Yep. Yeah, we can unite our sufferings to Christ and help others. You know, wow. people on this earth, the souls in purgatory, Yep. you know, they're still part of the church. And don't So let's yeah. pray for one another. Amen. And don't forget, Our Lady said it at Fatima, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. So we're called to do that right now. We have been given this great grace of faith. Let's use it, or if we don't use it, we'll lose it. I want to thank you for joining us here at the Bible with the Barbers. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. May God richly bless you and your family. And I just want to encourage you to continue to read your Bible every day and to receive Jesus into your heart. May God richly bless you and your family. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg Thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of Thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.